with the unfortunate assignation of uh, Agent Triple X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is not subtle <laughs> no, at all. Which- Diamonds and Death, a James Bond podcast. I am your double O host, Jonathan Watkins. I am a writer for all things under the CinemaSins brand name and a co-host of the Behind the Sins podcast. Joining me each and every week for this endeavor. Uh, most people don't know this, but he is a championship skier mm. and can tell us exactly how that jump off the mountain was done. He's also the co-founder of CinemaSins, co-host of the weekly podcast, Recotopia. And one of my good friends, Mr. Chris Atkinson. Hello. How are you today, Hello. sir? How's it going? It's going, you know, it's going pretty good. Um, you know, we're going to talk about The Spy Who Loved Me. Yep, yep. Uh, I would say one of the more popular, uh, at least Roger Moore uh, Bond films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into, I guess, to more our opinions about it later. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about The Spy Who Loved Me. So let's just... Uh, Let's just jump on into this. All righty. Our first segment is something we like to call Eon Flux. This is a journey. I'm going to make a movie. We have to go back, Kate. Wow. How did you know all that stuff? I did my research. I don't understand any of this. What the fuck is going on? We are going to scour through the history of Eon Productions, give you all the highs and lows that went into the makings of these films. This week, that film would be The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh... Carly Simon will tell you all about that in mm-hmm. her in her theme song, which actually yep. isn't the title of the song. No. Nobody Does It Better is mm-hmm. the first Bond song that is not the title. Of, well, unless you count like Gold, uh, Dr. No and which From I don't. With Love, which Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so this is the first official Bond theme song that is not called, um, uh, the title is not the same as the title of the movie. Is the title in the song though? Yeah. Why am I? It's yeah, in I thought, the lyrics. Okay. okay. It's That's, it's yeah. uh it's uh it's really shoved in there. It's almost yeah, like yeah. they said, well, you got to have the title of the song in this uh, in title of the movie in the song. So they, <laughs> so she like shoehorns it in there. You know, and I was like, yeah, no, this doesn't really go along with it at all. And really, the song is, to me, it just it was just about a dude who's really good at having sex. That's pretty much what that yeah. what that yeah. song's about. So I mean, nobody does it better. Nobody you know? does and, it better. So and I mean, based on what all happens in this entire franchise, I I kind of believe her. Mm-hmm, I, I think that mm-hmm. might I think that might be accurate. Yeah. But anyways, this is the this is the tenth film in the official franchise. Uh, it is the third to star Roger Moore, which I found interesting because whether you like this or not, this is the one where I think they realize what they want to do with Roger Moore in these films. Like this mm-hmm. is kind of where this is the one where everything's kind of coming together, which is interesting because I think with Connery, that's also the case with his third film, Goldfinger. Now, mind mm-hmm. you. From Russia with Love was really good and was was way better than Man with a Golden Gun. Mm-hmm. But and Doctor No is probably better than I mean Doctor No is definitely better than Man with a Golden Gun. So I'm I'm not saying there were bad films before Goldfinger, but I'm just saying Goldfinger was kind of when everything just kind of clicked into place, mm-hmm. and I kind of think that's what happens here. Um, like I said, whether you like it or not, I think you could still agree that this is kind of 
what these movies are going to be like moving forward with Roger Moore in them. Okay, so The Man with the Golden Gun, going back to that for a second, uh, that was the previous film, the film we talked about in our last episode. Uh, it was it performed poorly, obviously, not as well as the ones prior to it. Uh, both box office and critically, it, it didn't do great. Uh, no one really liked it. So this became a big concern uh, for, I guess, Broccoli and uh, and just trying to get, you know, they wanted to kind of right the ship, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, make things a little bigger and, you know, more bondish. Uh, they had some problems, though. Uh, Harry Saltzman, uh, we talked about this a little bit last episode. He ends up having to sell his half of the Bond franchise. I, I, I didn't get too specific into it, but it was something he had some he had some financial troubles. Uh, he had a lot of personal issues, too. So. He had some debts with the Swiss bank and apparently notices kept coming in and he would just put them in drawers and stuff like that yeah. and like yeah. not even pay attention to it. And uh, he also had he was also bad at uh, he was just bad at other business ventures, basically, is what it came back, came back to. And his uh, his wife had been recently diagnosed with a terminal cancer. So uh, and he also uh, I read somewhere an interview. He suffered from uh, some bouts of he had some bouts of depression. Mm. Uh, There was a lot going on there just personally. But what he tried to do initially, why this caused some problems with the production was what he tried to do initially was he tried to use his shares in the Bond franchise as collateral uh, for the debt he owed. And, of mm-hmm. course, uh, Broccoli was like, yeah, you're not doing that. Um, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then and then at one point he was going to sell his shares to, I think, Columbia Pictures. And eventually Broccoli allowed him basically, like, agreed if he would sell his shares to, uh, I think it was United Artists, right? Oh, I did. I guess I just didn't write that down. Anyways, he was trying to sell his shares to the to the studio as opposed to uh, he didn't want to sell them to Broccoli. Mm-hmm. And then this caused an issue because there was a distribution agreement with United Artists that if they didn't make a Bond film every eighteen months, uh, within every eighteen months, United Artists would lose their rights. So that was a problem. Mm-hmm. And then the the it just like him him kind of like arguing with Broccoli about what could be done was kind of. Um, making a lot of issues happen there. So eventually he, they did agree on something and uh, he sold his shares and, uh, you know, he he was out. Uh, the other issue they were having, uh, they couldn't find a director. Uh, Guy Hamilton was supposed to do it. Uh, he left in November of 75, though, because he got offered the opportunity to do Superman, which he actually ends up not doing. Richard mm-hmm. Donner, obviously. Uh, directs that movie mm-hmm. but that's why he rolled so i guess he was dealing with that for a couple years because superman didn't come out well, it came out a year after bond so i think it came out like three years after yeah uh, it's like 78 left. yeah um and then spielberg uh threw his hat in the ring he wanted to direct uh and he had just directed jaws which is kind of funny to me because there's a character named jaws in this movie yeah but uh broccoli said yeah no we're not letting you do this i i, I didn't see why i just saw that it was it was rejected. They just mm-hmm. decided not to use him. And then uh, Lewis Gilbert, who uh, had directed You Only Live Twice, uh, he ended up getting the job. Uh, he had just directed a, like a war movie that uh, Broccoli was really impressed with and, and decided to bring him back. The other thing, Ian Fleming just allowed the title to be used for some reason, would not allow him to use the plot, which I'll, we'll get into that more when we talk about this this very bizarre book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know how they would have filmed the book. So mm-hmm. 
that's a whole other thing. I don't know how much you know about the plot of the book. I don't know anything about it. All I know is that they couldn't use the book as a yeah. basis for the screenplay. So I don't. And that's I just. It's weird that they couldn't because, like I said, when we get into that, I can't figure out why they would want to. So mm, yeah, uh, it's just it's, it's a weird situation. So and maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe this is exactly what they would have done with this book. I mean, they yeah. had changed a whole yeah. bunch of stuff before, so it's not exactly you know exactly. So. This would be the first uh, movie in the in the official franchise. Ian Fleming's name is not above the title, which is odd because it will come back with Moonraker, which is very strange that it comes back with Moonraker, but we'll talk about that more when mm -hmm. we talk about Moonraker. Uh, a lot of writers were commissioned since they had to come up with an original story uh, to, to, to go along with this title, The Spy Who Loved Me, which is a wonderful title, by the way. I'm mm -hmm. not shocked they wanted to use it. Mm -hmm. uh, Carrie Bates... Uh, he was mostly known for writing comic books, although he did, oddly enough, his one screenplay credit I could find was the 1992 Christopher Columbus, The Discovery. Yeah. <laughs> there was like all those Christopher Columbus movies came out that, or it's like we had 1492. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think there was like a, I found, I heard about one the other day too. It was like a British movie or something I didn't even know about uh, came out that year too. Because obviously that was the, uh, what the, five, five, 500 year. Yeah, 500 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so... He wrote a script that brought Tatiana Romanova back from uh, uh, from Russia with Love, uh, trying to stop Spectre. Uh, Hugo Drax was the villain that was created for that script, and Hugo Drax will be the villain uh, in Moonraker. Mm -hmm. uh, so he'll he'll pop back up. Uh, they decided not to go with that. Anthony Burgess comes in. He's probably most known for writing the novel Clockwork Orange. I yep. think that yep. that's the only thing I really know. Uh, he, he wrote a ton of novels. But, yeah. I mean, that's just the big one. Yeah. Uh, he had a draft. It featured a new criminal organization called Chaos, which I forgot to look that up. Isn't that Get Smart? Yes, it was. It, well, it was Control. Control. Yeah. And then but there was, what, oh no, Chaos is the international organization of, oh, it, Control was the good guys. That was the, that was like Get Smart and stuff. And then Chaos, but it was spelled K-A-O-S. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I remember that now. All right. It's been a minute since I've watched Get Smart. Anyways, he had a draft featured a new criminal organization called Chaos. They were trying to assassinate Queen Elizabeth II uh, by bombing the Sydney Opera House. Okay. So there's John Landis. Yes. Uh, yeah. Wrote a screenplay about Bond stopping a kidnapping of the Pope. Uh, John Landis, of course, if there are people that don't know who we're talking about, he, uh, he Animal House would mm -hmm. uh, come out maybe three years after they were trying to get this going, 78, yep. and uh, he would obviously become a very huge uh, director eventually, obviously very controversial in some ways, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah. John Landis had a has had a pretty pretty long career. Uh, I mean, he's still he's still alive. I don't know if he's really making anything anymore. No, no, he's he, still had a, he had his peak in the eighties, and oh and, yeah, uh, then yeah, he three, uh, he still came out with stuff in the nineties, but it wasn't. Yeah, they weren't big. God, he really did in the eighties. I actually heard an interview with him where because uh, he did Animal House, and then he did um, Blues Brothers, mm -hmm. and then he did American Werewolf in London. Was yep. those the first three? Think I don't so. remember if Into the Night was next, but then Into the Night came out a couple years later and it bombed. And he was like, I don't understand though. He's like, I did the exact same thing I did in my previous films. Mm -hmm. He was, yeah. But then after that, he does like Three Amigos, uh, uh, Spies Like Us. So I mean, mm -hmm. Coming to America. Yeah. Uh, which trading places. Bit, actually. Yeah, trading places. Oh, yeah, trading places would have been before Into the Night. I knew there was another one I was missing. Yeah. Into the Night's actually not bad either. It just, I've never seen it. Well. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's not great. I mean, it's probably the lesser of those first like five films. Mm -hmm. uh, he also did. Obviously, he was on Twilight Zone, the movie, which uh, was 
was uh, that there's a lot of bad stuff that happened there. Yep. Uh, we won't get into that. Uh, okay, because it has nothing to do with this. Anyways, he wrote that screenplay. So they finally just bring Richard Maybaum back in, which I, what I'm getting to the point now is like, why aren't you just starting with Richard Maybaum like mm-hmm. every time? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Because <laughs> anytime they seem to go away from him, he comes back. Yeah. Um, although they don't completely go with his draft, he he supposedly combined some of the elements in the other ones. Um, it did involve Spectre. It, he brought Blofeld back. Broccoli decided not to go with that because he felt it was uh, it was too political. Uh, mm. And then when Lewis Gilbert got hired, he brought on this guy, Christopher Wood. Um, Christopher Wood, one one thing he did, he created Jaws. Uh, that was a Broccoli wanted a, a villain with sharp teeth. Um, so he created Jaws, um, or with metal teeth, sorry, not just not Yeah, isn't teeth. there, there's something in the book that the, this is loosely based off of in the book, right? There's a, because this is the one thing from the book that they, they were able to kind of yeah. like, change the name of the per that it's not it, it's obviously not jaws in the book it's some yeah, other no, there's name just the, there's like some mobsters in the book and yeah there's there's one that's similar to to what jaws mm-hmm. ends up being yeah no that's correct um yeah. so christopher wood uh he also had to remove all references to specter and blofeld because broccoli uh mm. that that whole thing with thunderball was still going on at the time and with everything else delaying production he didn't want to take any chances uh, which ended mm-hmm. up being smart because uh, Kevin McClory, who was the one that was suing them, uh, he actually won the rights in 76. So uh, mm-hmm. that would have been a problem if they had kept all that in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because of that, they decided to use the KGB uh, in the story. And then obviously they create the the main villain, um, mm-hmm. Carl Stromberg. Uh, I thought it was interesting, though, uh, the Russians, uh, Russian government, uh, felt that a lot of Bond films were anti-Russian, um, so that's mm-hmm. why when you watch this movie, there is some, there is definitely some, um, there, there, there's obviously some between the British and the Russians. There's a little bit of, uh, I don't know, like a falling out or whatever you want to call it. But the KGB are definitely presented more as allies uh, in this movie. They're actually trying to kind of, they have the same goal basically. So. Uh, there's definitely still some like, you know, we don't trust the Russians stuff in here, but they're not really the bad guys. Uh, and that's why, uh, because he wanted to make sure there wasn't an issue with all that stuff. Uh, and then, hey, they bring back our old friend, Tom Makowitz. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he came in to do an extensive rewrite, but was uncredited. Uh, Vernon Harris, uh, who wrote the script for Oliver, which was the 1968 Best Picture winner, uh, he also came mm-hmm. in and did some uncredited rewrites. I could not find what exactly they changed, but uh, but they they came in and did some stuff. Um, I did think I read something. I think Mankiewicz uh, kind of changed some stuff with uh, with the uh, Barbara Bach character, but other than that, I I couldn't find a whole lot. Um, so as far as like the the, the there's a really really awesome uh, bad guy uh, layer uh, in this movie, which is of course Ken. Adams. Yep. Uh, Coming yeah. back. Did not want to repeat what he did in You Only Live Twice. So they actually built a new soundstage at Pinewood. Uh, it was like one yep. point like eight million or something to build this thing. It included a water tank capable of storing a little over five million liters. The set was so huge that the cinematographer Claude Renoir, Renoir, he had a hard time lighting it because he was uh, his eyesight was not great. Uh, so they had an mm-hmm. issue. Is it wait a minute? Is it Renoir? Or is it Renoir? Renoir. What I think is it's it? Renoir, we... right? Because I'm thinking like. How do we? Because I know French. It's 
probably I don't know. It's Ren, it's Renoir. I think that, I think that's I think, right too because I, I think that's how I've always heard like Jean Renoir. I think I've always heard that. Yeah. 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 He is the grandson of the painter. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but he was having some issues with his eyesight, so he was having a really hard time lighting it because it was just so big. Uh, the exterior though was miniatures mostly. There was an abandoned taker apparently that Shell let them have, but due to uh, insurance and safety issues. Uh, they had to go with miniatures. Those are some awesome miniatures, though. If that, I, I had no idea. Yeah, they are. Uh, until I read about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shark Tank was also filmed, and it was filmed in the Bahamas. Uh, it was a live shark swimming in a saltwater swimming pool, which I thought was interesting. Which, by the way, I did want to mention, this movie was shot on location in Egypt and uh, and Italy, and then all the underwater stuff was in the Bahamas, and then at Pinewood Studios, obviously, they built that one uh, that one set that they used. Um so I wonder what they I would like. Does that set still exist? I guess I don't know. It's weird because you would think if they spent that much money on it, they wouldn't like just tear it down. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't know. heard. Uh, the they changed up just some other interesting things. They changed up the the they have a different car in this one. Uh, they went with the Lotus uh, Espirit. Is that little that cool looking mm-hmm. uh, that red car? Uh, and then there's that one bit where the car becomes a submarine. Uh, there mm-hmm. were seven yep. models created for that. One of them was actually a fully equipped submarine, which I thought was interesting, or a model. For every single transformation you see, there is a different vehicle that they had to build for that particular Yeah, it's thing. insane, the, the detail that went into that. And it, I mean, mm-hmm. you can tell. I mean, it looks good. I mean, you know, I, I don't... Mm-hmm. I, I think it looks better than it probably would even today because today they would just use computers probably. I mean, it would still probably look good, but yep. it would just... I thought that was more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, while they did shoot at the pyramids because they did on location shooting in Egypt, they had to replace a lot of that with miniatures because, once again, they had lighting issues. I don't think mm-hmm. it was the same reason they had lighting issues, but they just couldn't. Yeah, you can't you can't just light up all the pyramids and, you know, and so, yeah. That's the cinematography in this movie, though, is insane. Um I, all mm-hmm. that Egyptian stuff, is, that's usually what sticks with me. Them, them running uh, when they're trying to track down Jaws. It's probably one of the more memorable parts of this movie, for sure. Yeah, that's like, when I think of Bond, like mm-hmm. that's a scene that always pops up mm-hmm. in my head. Um, so the we mentioned at the beginning, uh, you being an expert skier. Yes. Uh, you know all about this. But uh, Bond, Bond skied off that mountain. That was inspired by a Canadian club whiskey advertisement in Playboy magazine. What I thought was funny, though, Sylvester Stallone is the one in, in the magazine, not in the movie. Right. But in the magazine, he's the one doing the stunt. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like picturing Sylvester Stallone like, yeah, man, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, the stunt itself just cost like $500,000, which at the time was the most was the single most expensive stunt. Yep. Uh, at the time, that was sure um, that was the main reason for that was they would they got up on top of this mountain and the weather got bad, mm-hmm. and so they um, so they weren't able to shoot for a couple of days. So that means you're you're paying a whole bunch of yeah yeah crew to do nothing basically. Exactly, um, but it's a really cool looking stunt. It is. Um, it's great. It cut. Like, it makes me think of, like, that, which we'll talk about this when we talk about Goldeneye, but, like, I don't know, like, the difference between that and, like, him going off the mountain and catching up with the plane, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know why, that's what I thought of, though. Mm -hmm. I was like, because I don't even know if this is possible, which I guess it technically is possible, because it was done, Mm -hmm. but but it's crazy to think that that is possible. Like, I think our 
our our brain today would be like, oh, that's crap. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's no way that could happen, mm-hmm. but it it did. Yeah. So I, you couldn't even do a survives this scene sin because somebody did survive. Yep. It. So it's crazy. So at the cast, uh, Roger Moore, we've already talked about. Of course, he's back. Uh, he has often said this, or he, we in past, obviously he's passed away, but he has cited in the past this is his favorite. Uh, Bond film that he was in, I I can't blame him. Yeah, I he mean, says I, it even on the uh, behind the scenes of this mo- uh, yeah. on this movie. He says it's one of his fa- it's his favorite, which is not, I mean not surprising at all. I'm sure it was fun. Uh, we got Barbara Bach, uh, Mrs. Ringo Starr. Yep, uh, I think they're I think they're still together. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah, 1981 to present, they are still together. All right, uh, she well, is 75 go. years old. Um, good for mm-hmm. Barbara Bach, but she plays uh she plays Anya Amasova a Soviet KGB agent uh, with the unfortunate assignation of uh, Agent Triple X. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is not subtle <laughs> no, at all. It's, and it sounds, and this movie, <laughs> this movie has silliness in it, but for some reason that stands out. Like it just, every time they say it, it just sounds so ridiculous. Like you're just like, what, why, mm-hmm. why? Like give her a number. Yeah, and the first time you're introduced <laughs> to her is she's yeah. having sex with another agent, and yeah. you know, so and, uh, which I mean, we'll get more to her performance and everything. I guess we're talking about the review, but yeah, I just I felt that was a little unfortunate. Uh, Catherine uh, Deneuve was uh, wanted to play the role. Deneuve, Deneuve. that's right. Deneuve. Catherine Deneuve. I was wrong. Catherine Deneuve, mm-hmm. uh, famous famous actress around this time, wanted to wanted to play the role. She was even willing to cut her normal rate. Uh, she was willing to go from four hundred thousand to two hundred fifty, but Broccoli refused mm-hmm. to pay higher than eighty thousand. Which is funny when you consider they're spending mm-hmm. they're spending like two million dollars on a on a water tank. But I don't know. That would have been weird. I don't. I just I'm trying to picture like Roger Moore and her acting off each other, and I I, I think I kind of like that it's Barbara Bach, but. I could be wrong. I mean, mm. that maybe that would have. I don't know. Uh, Kurt Jurgens uh, uh, plays the villain. He plays Carl Stromberg. Uh, his his whole thing is that, uh, which is one of the crazier things about this movie. He wants to hack. He wants to basically make World War Three happen, at, and and yeah. so everyone will then want to live underwater. I guess this is. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and as you know, this is the thing. I, I I don't think his plan would work even if he got even if he got the nukes yeah. to fire by the end of this movie. But that's the thing that these Bond movies always do is where they get a villain whose plan is so insane <laughs> that, you know, that there's no way it would work anyway. That's I think that's the point a lot of times. But you also, you know, as the as the spies, it's not it's not so much we we can't we're, we they have to they have to save the people that he's going to kill obviously even though his plan's not going to work but but yeah i don't think there's any 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 hope of this being a thing just no. because the us and soviet and, union start blowing each I other up but i think i don't mind it as much because like i kind of want to live in that in that place because it's like really cool like mm-hmm. i don't know the i mean i i'm not a yeah. big water under i'm not a big ocean person but like i don't know the idea of just having like this underwater facility uh, I don't know. It's pretty fascinating. I said Soviet Union. It's just plain old fucking Russia. Yeah, at this point. yeah. No so, worries. Um, but uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh, it, the, the, we've seen a lot yeah. of this. I like the Goldfinger thing. I mean, his plan is you know, there. It's like he's quite mad. Yes, yes, he is. He's quite mad. like they don't they don't show these villains as like like mad. They seem very exactly. sane. But but they're but they are they are insane. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. So his henchman we've already talked about is Jaws or one of his henchmen. Uh, that that is played by Rich. He's played by the late Richard Keel. 
um, who I think I most know from, I mean, outside of this, I must know him for Happy Gilmore. Uh, I, <laughs> yep, I believe that's yep. Mr. Gilmore's. Uh, is a, I always think whenever <laughs> I see him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, Will Sampson from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and David Prowse, who, of course, was Darth Vader. Uh, or was in the suit of Darth Vader. Uh, they were considered uh, for the role, but uh, which mm-hmm. I could see like all the Will Sampson might have been interesting. But I think Richard Kills kind of. I mean, I've already kind of discussed my like or dislike of the character of Jaws, uh, or how much interest I have in it. But I do think Richard Kill is is good. Like he's doing mm-hmm. exactly what needs to be done in that scenario. So uh, and he'll come. Yeah. He, he does. By the come way, up. just as. Just as an aside, yes, it is the Soviet Union that's going through. I, I, I get always get the con, like back and too. forth of which one it is, but it is the Soviet Union okay. during this time. That that's it. It it dissolves in ninety one. Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, yes, I, I love Richard Keel in this. I actually think I like Jaws more than you do, but yeah. uh, uh, but I can but I can see him being overrated as a villain. Yeah, he's he's uh, good in well. this. I think it's more like I, does he come back in Moonraker? Maybe I, he comes back and it's he does and he it's comes silly. back, but it's like isn't he getting married it's something or something? Weird. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. It's like he's totally fine after the. I mean, he's not a bad guy yeah. anymore, and he's found a woman, and it's like it's it's it's, it's really bizarre. It's, it's either this, it's either that one, or it's like a view to a kill yeah. where he shows up he's, getting married. I can't remember. I can't either. He's totally fine in this. I just uh, I don't know. I yeah. I think he's just a little. I people mention him a lot more. They mention some of the other. I think more interesting like henchmen and stuff. But it's fine. I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with him. And I love Richard Keel. He seems like a really cool guy too. From everything I've heard. Uh, or was uh, Carolyn Monroe, who I forgot was in this. Um, I've seen her a lot more in the last like 20 years or so when I've been getting into like hammer horror films and stuff like that. She was in just a lot of stuff around that time at like Mario Bava films and stuff like that. She pops up in some of that stuff, uh, but she plays Naomi. She's Stromberg's like personal something or other. Like I, at first it's like an assistant, but she also is like an assassin and uh, a pilot. And I, so I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. we're going back uh, uh, and as usual for these earlier Bond movies, uh, she was dubbed, uh, by, by Barbara Jefford. And I don't know why she was, I mean, I've seen Carolyn Monroe act and she's perfectly good. I mean, she can, you know, she doesn't have like a really thick accent or anything. So I don't know what the reasoning behind that is, but Jefford had previously dubbed the Daniela, uh, Bianchi character in, uh, from Russia with love. So I guess mm-hmm. she was a good one to bring back in. Uh, but anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few more I'll mention. Uh, Jeffrey Keane, uh, he plays Sir Frederick Gray, which is the British Minister of Defense. I bring him up, too, mainly because he'll be back. He He's in five more films, which I didn't remember that. Um, so, hmm. Lois Maxwell, Desmond Llewellyn, Bernard Lee, they're all back. Nothing really, I mean, nothing that happens really with them that's any different than recent films, but they're, they are back. They're in it. Uh, the w- gadgets definitely become a little more, uh, a little, little bit, bit more, more present yeah. in this one, so... Uh, and then uh, I'll mention Michael Billington. Uh, he plays Sergei uh, Barstov, who was the former lover of Anya, which is the one that, uh, you know, she's trying to figure out if Bond killed him or didn't um, and uh, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. The main reason I bring him up, though, was that uh, he had screen tested for James Bond original, uh, previously. So he's another one that mm-hmm. screen tested for James Bond and then actually got in the movie as, like, somebody else uh, later mm-hmm. on. Um the end credit scene mentions Bond is returning for your eyes only, uh, which doesn't happen. And that's because the number one movie 
1977, uh, Star Wars uh, created yep. such a phenomenon that uh, Moonraker ends up being uh, the next film they do. Uh, yep. Nobody does it better. We've already mentioned uh, this was composed by Marvin Hamlish, written by Carol Bayer Sager, and it was performed by Carly Simon. Uh, first song in the franchise to have a different title than the film, as we mentioned. It was also nominated for Best Song, and it lost to You Light Up My Life, uh, which are actually two songs that are kind of similar in weird ways. Uh, Hamlish uh, composed the score as well because John Barry couldn't work in England because he had tax issues. Uh, so he wasn't allowed to mm-hmm. work in England. So, but I think uh, I think Hamlet does a really good job here. I, I thought it was. Uh, I don't. I, I I kept reading that it has a bit of a disco theme to it. Kind of, but yeah, I I yeah I don't. I mean, and we and we've got also got to remember that disco, as we would come to yeah. know it, wasn't actually what disco really was yeah. like we think of saturday night yes. fever but that's also not came out this what year. disco really was yeah yeah but it's not really what it was and 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 you know i i haven't gone i haven't delved deeply enough into it to know but but that i can maybe see a little bit of that like just a little bit in the bass yeah. line a little bit maybe but i don't know but uh, I don't think of this as really disco. So it's not that broader type of disco, like you're saying that we think of. That almost by the time we were old enough to even know what's going on, it was kind of being parodied, mm-hmm. uh, like the Friday the Thirteenth uh, theme song in Part Three, where it really brings in that like wow wow mm, wow wow yeah, wow, wow yeah, like, yeah, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, they used uh, a couple of pretty popular scores in within it. Uh, Doctor Zhivago theme yep. pops up uh, early on. Uh, mm-hmm. with the bar, I think it's Barbara Box doing something, and then the theme from Lawrence of Arabia is used uh, pretty well. Yeah, uh, in some of the some of the desert stuff. Yeah, the Doctor Zhivago thing, I think, is when she's opening up the case for the. Correct. Uh, That's what um, it was. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, uh, which is a great theme for a movie that is okay mm-hmm. at best. Right. <laughs> yep. I agree. Uh, sorry to the sorry to the two Doctor Zhivago lovers. That right. Are right. Listening right. To this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that I'm sure a lot of people love that movie. Uh, yeah. That's probably not. Nice. Uh, the movie was a was a hit. Uh, 185.4 million worldwide. 46 of that was in the U.S. Finished eighth at the U.S. box office. Uh, like I said, Star Wars. And this is 77 is really when you start seeing like uh, kind of what's going to eventually be what is kind of. I mean, throughout the 80s, you're still going to get like a lot of adult dramas and stuff in the top 10. But like this is Star Wars is in here. Uh, Close Encounters is in here. Smokey and the Bandit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Saturday Night Fever. Uh, these were all just like monster hits that you know finished a little above it. Also, The Goodbye Girl and A Bridge Too Far and the and the Deep. I didn't know the Deep was that popular of a film. I guess because of Jaws. Yeah, it was another Peter so. Benchley because it's not good. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, not that that not that that factors into box office all the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, interestingly enough. Uh, uh, Oh God, uh, the movie with George Burns mm-hmm. and uh, is John Denver in the first? I think he is in the first one. Uh, yeah, because I think I actually made a reference to that in a, in a recent Sun script. And then Annie Hall uh, also yep. came out that you're one best picture. Uh, yep. It was number 10 at the box office. I wonder how many Woody Allen films finished in the top 10. There can't be that many. I don't know. And I, I, and I maybe like maybe like Hannah and her sisters or something like that. I don't know. Could don't be. Know. I'd have to look at that. But that might be the only one. I don't know. Um, it was also critically successful. There was, I mean, there were people that didn't care for it. I mean, as there always are, but it was, 
it was one of the more critically successful of the of the early films and also and that's carried on it's still really well uh, regarded uh as uh top tier uh james bond especially for roger moore i mean this is I rarely hear somebody say anything other than this as the best Roger Moore film. I'm sure it's happened, but mm-hmm. you're going to get people that love for your eyes only, or uh, maybe live and let die. I don't know. Cause I can't imagine. I can like, I can't imagine somebody saying view to a kill is the best, Roger Moore film, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm sure there's, there's someone out there. It's like people that say Halloween three is the best Halloween film. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those weirdos exist. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not weirdos. You're you're lovely people entitled to your own opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything else you had to add to the... Uh, you may have to go back over some of the topics, but I do remember if you have them listed uh, um, when you were getting to each one of the things, because there were a couple of things that I thought were interesting that I wanted okay. to add, add to yeah. them. Let's but do I don't it. remember everything. You may have to remind me of, of the topics you hit so that okay. I can remember what what's about them. But I do know one of them was when uh, Renoir could not see the whole set and they mm-hmm. couldn't light it well and everything, Ken Adam asked Stanley Kubrick to get on, to come to the set. And Kubrick said, I, I, I don't want to go get on the set and cause a big scene and everything. And Ken Adam said, I promise you no one will ever know that you're on the set. <laughs> and so Kubrick came in and looked at the set and Ken Adams like asking him, how do we light this thing? And Kubrick's idea was to light it with floodlights. So that's why you see a yeah. ton of floodlights on the, on the uh, submarine or the, the tanker set uh, that, uh, that, uh, naturally quote unquote light the, uh, the whole thing, um, which was the problem that they were going to run into. Um, what else was on there? Oh, the other thing was the other thing was uh, the tanker, which was was all models, yes. which was all models. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, apparently, the uh, that was so good that the the people who who uh, or I guess the captain of that ship or whatever had no idea that that was a bunch of models. And uh, they said that, you know, this is in, and the guy talking about this is like, that's probably the best compliment you can get about, Oh yeah. About your own models is that even when the captain of the uh, former captain of that ship uh, can't even tell the difference between what was real and, you know, what was not on, on screen. That was another thing that was, uh, that was, that's I thought super was cool. Yeah. That was really interesting. Um, the uh, oh that. the the stunt the uh, the ski stunt. Yeah. So the stunt was in this magazine, and so they go and find. They just like, well, we're just gonna. They were like, how do we do this? And they were, let's, let's just go find the guy. So they mm-hmm. find the guy, and the guy's like, well, I didn't do the stunt, <laughs> but I can do it, and I know yeah. it can be done. Um, and so, so they are really kind of like trusting that this guy was going to be able to do the stunt, uh, even though it had not been performed successfully before. Um, and, uh, and they were going to, he was, he was saying that the only place they could do it is somewhere. It was like somewhere completely different. They ended up shooting it in camera in Canada. Um, and uh, and then there was one final touch that uh, I think Christopher Wood may have added to this. I don't. I think it's Christopher Wood. They said was the uh, uh, was the got the idea behind this was that when the parachute yeah. opened, 
is that when the parachute opened it would be the union jack um Correct. so that was that was the uh that was something that apparently uh brought a huge amount of applause to british audiences when that happened yeah and i think uh was it philip was there I, I did. I almost put that in, but then I just I had a bunch of other stuff. But uh, it was like at the at the attending the the screening. It was like Prince Philip or something was like he even stood up mm-hmm. for 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 that. Um, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Charles, Charles. Uh, yeah, uh, Charles, Prince of Wales during the Union Jack parachute scene. I have never seen a reaction in the cinema as there was that night. You couldn't help it. You cannot help but stand up. <laughs> and then he said even prince charles stood up so, yeah <laughs> uh, i thought that was that was cool yeah uh, but i had not come across the kubrick thing or the uh, the thing you mentioned about um the, the miniatures about how the guy the captain didn't even know so that's really mm-hmm. cool i mean yeah. i didn't know it was miniatures but i wouldn't know what it yeah i didn't either i mean there's uh they're they're definitely getting better with with all of that you know uh um oh, practical yeah. stuff and yeah, and then we're going to get into a digital age where a lot of things are hard to tell whether it's digital or not, but then That's other true. things other things are very too easy to know that they're digital. So, yeah. you know, it's weird. The thing with digital, I think, is just there's so much reliance on the budget that uh, you don't necessarily, necessarily, you aren't as handicapped maybe if you're doing practical stuff sometimes because you can find other ways to do it or you have like stuntmen that are just crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, man, just give me like fifty dollars and a pack of smokes, and I'll go, I'll go, I'll go do this for you. Uh, right now, mm-hmm. I think with digital, because digital, like, I don't ever want it to come across that I don't think digital effects are good. Digital effects can be fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, they can be great. It's just that there's times where they use them as for characters yeah, and things like yeah. that. That where there's there's obvious like, you know, it's just there's just too much eye candy color bright exactly. colors and stuff thrown into your or eyes like if the so. budget's not there especially i've noticed this in like lower budgeted action films like when they digitize like the the squibs and the bullets and stuff like it just it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't look good like it looks it looks mm-hmm. terrible uh so that's yeah. my only thing with digital it's just a little more reliant on budget than i think sometimes practical is. a practical could be reliant on that too at times but i don't know i just felt like they were always ways and i think we're more forgiving for practical because it's just like you've always said, it's like you can re- you could touch that, you know. That's actually something mm-hmm. that's happening. Uh, yeah. Know. All right, so let's. Uh, we've kind of gone over all the background stuff, and now we're going to talk about the film itself a little bit. And this is a segment we like to call a review to a kill. I've got you in my sights. Get the fuck out of my sight before I demolish you. What we've got here is failure to communicate. There's no need to shout. I'm not shouting. Why don't you stop your whining and get on with it? I've heard this shit before. We are going to give you our thoughts on whatever uh, film we are discussing. And this week we are, of course, discussing uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. So, Chris, what is your like kind of overall feeling about The Spy Who Loved Me? Uh, a few years ago, when I was still working at uh, Hollywood 27, a uh, Bond fan there asked everybody to rank their top five. And uh, this one ended up number one nice. uh, of all time for me. Um, and now you hate it. There is some... <laughs> Huh? Well, and now you hate no, it. I'm no, kidding. no, 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 no. I, I still love it, and uh, and I like this better than every Sean Connery, and I know that's uh, uh, sacrilege for some, but I still like this better than all of any any one particular Sean Connery movie. 
um, because it's just everything seems really tight and together and 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 even though a lot of the stuff we've seen before like this is the third time there's been a fight on a mm-hmm. train this is the at least the second time we've had a ski scene oh, yeah. um won't be the last the, either. you know they they yeah this is the second time because uh, they did this in uh, You Only Live Twice, where a big ship swallows a <laughs> oh, that's smaller true. ship. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. So it's, true. A, it's, a, it's at least the second time that's <laughs> happened. So there's a lot of repeat yeah. stuff. And then you have you have a villain that is, is pretty much Blofeld, even though he's, you know, he's Stromberg in this. Uh, he's pretty much Blofeld. In fact, I don't I didn't see any uh, verification on this, but the that shark tank that he sends his assistant to looks exactly mm-hmm. like one that Blofeld uses in a previous movie, which could be You Only Live Twice. I can't remember. I, I can't either. I know you're talking but, about there. Um, but it looks exactly like that same one that they used. Uh, so like there, so there's a lot of repeat stuff in this. But Roger Moore is more of a he's more assured in the role now. Um, uh, at this point, like it's he's getting to the point where it's hard to it's hard to see anybody else in the role like he's actually taken ownership of what it what bond is now at the at, at this point um uh for me i mean even though you know people are still probably at this in the in this era comparing him to connery i'm at this point going this is this was this was a this was an era where this is roger moore's bond this was his bond um, but I like everything about this. The action scenes are really yeah. are really fun. The Ken Adams sets back, which is yeah. uh, like I said, Ken Adams is as much as part of Bond as anything, as much as Connery, as much as Ian Fleming. Ken Ken Adam is kind of key in all of this, and um, and so uh, so I so I really I really dig it, and I like the fact too, even though I don't, I, I, this is one of those things where it's going to sound mean. I don't think much of barbara bach Mm -mm. as an actress in this movie um it sounds super mean but she's i think she's kind of wooden and but i like the fact that there's a character finally that's kind of kicking ass although they still have to make her a victim by the end of Mm -hmm. the movie which i didn't like where she's tied up and in a bikini Mm -hmm. of course and 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 bond has to go save her that's one thing I don't like about it, but it does show someone who's at least the intellectual equal of Bond because uh, there's a great scene in here where um, they're going back and forth about what they see in this little this mm-hmm. little film of the you know the submarine. Uh, that's a I don't know do, do we do we have, did we get really into the plot of uh, well, like the, the other little thing no, about we just this. Mentioned- the submarine uh, we didn't thing. get too much into the, the plot the, specifics other than the underwater city thing but yeah go ahead yeah that's what that's what stromberg wants to do but like there's a there the the plot that mm-hmm. drives it into this is that somebody has stolen the plans to the submarine detection system it'll remind you a lot of hunt, hunt for october when you watch this yeah uh they can detect submarines even when they're quiet and and they can't be found mm-hmm. on sonar or whatever so somebody's stolen that wants to sell it and and so the agents both from russia and from from great britain are going to go uh try to find the person who's trying to sell it um and then they have to take the take the plans anyway 
they uh, they they end up successfully taking the uh, the plans away. The this box that ha- that's the uh, submarine detection mm-hmm. thing or whatever. Uh, and uh, and they they have to read some things on it, and so like she and he go back and forth between like, well, that looks like uh, it says oratory. What's an oratory? And so he's like, it's a chapel mm-hmm. or whatever. And and she, and she goes, no, that's from that's a Stromberg symbol or whatever. And 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 he goes, yes, well, he's got a fishery over in this this area. And he's like, actually, it's not a fishery. It's like, no. And she says it's a fishery. <laughs> and he goes, no, it's a laboratory. And then and and it's in this place. And she goes, no, it's not in this place. It's in this other place. And so they got kind of like do this topping each other type of thing throughout. So yeah, I, and aren't aren't Elm and the 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 Soviet Union guy like their bosses aren't they in that scene yeah, too? Yeah, is yeah. that the scene where they're kind of behind? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're no, so they're great. they're both really proud of their agents during all of this and all that. Yeah. So it's great to see an intellectual equal and 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 you know and someone who's actually doing doing a little bit of kicking ass, even though like we said later on, she's a damsel in distress by the end of it. But overall this is probably still my favorite one i will have when 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 we review into the era of bonds where that i actually grew up with and the first ones that i did were the timothy dalton ones but timothy Mm -hmm. dalton was never like super bond to me or anything it was just Mm -hmm. that was the first ones i saw um then the pierce brosnan and the daniel craigs I'm sure there'll be some Daniel Craig's that vie for it. Goldeneye will vie for it, but this one is always going to be kind of the standard that I hold up against every James Bond we see from this point. I w- I was thinking uh, earlier this week or so about like how uh, we haven't really disagreed that much, and I'm like, so if there's like listeners out there that are hoping we disagree on something, it might come. It won't come this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. No, I think this is, I mean, I think Goldfinger is close. Like if I was to, like Goldfinger from Russia with Love would be in the same conversation, mm-hmm. but I do think I kind of prefer this one. Um, I agree with you on Barbara Bach. Like I, I like her, mm-hmm. like, and I like the character for the most part, but there is something that, I mean, yeah, I just, she's not, I don't know. She doesn't like, feel not, confident in this role. Like if, like no. you said Catherine Deneuve and I'm like sitting there going, man, yeah. what would Catherine Deneuve would have done with this? I know. So. Um, but then I wonder, would Roger Moore be able to play? Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's. I mean, this is one of those where you're kind of wishing Diana Rigg could get come back or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would. Know? Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but no, but I mean, but I like the character, and I, I also the other. You talk about her becoming kind of a victim more at the end. Not only that, but the whole like there's a really fascinating conflict going on where she finds out that that Bond killed her lover. Yeah. And they're in the middle of the mission, so she's like. We're gonna finish this mission, but I'm gonna kill you mm-hmm. when it when it's done. Yeah, and that creates tension. Not that you really think she's gonna kill yeah. him, but that does create some tension. But then the way it's handled, I don't really like because it's like that. That's in the when they're on the the boat, the escape pod. Yeah, and then she she acts like she's about to kill him, and then she like smiles, mm-hmm. and then they yeah. they have sex. Right, right. It's super weird. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, but it doesn't it doesn't ruin the movie or nah. anything. It's just I don't know. I wish they had found a better way to deal with that situation. I mean, I I I think she does understand it's the job. It wasn't anything personal. Like he wasn't he wasn't hired to like assassinate the guy. It was just it was. I believe it was just in the moment. It just had to be done. Yeah, right. I mean, he's that skiing kind of how, down the hill, yeah. and there's and there's yeah, guys yeah. chasing him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I I I could I totally can. 
buy that she would see that, but just to go from I'm going to kill you to now I'm going to have sex with you just seemed a little awkward. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that, that's definitely. the only moment where I'm just kind of like, eh. But, mm-hmm. uh, but no, this film is just awesome. It, it looks amazing. Uh, I, I don't know if it's, I, I think it probably has more to do with cinematography than Lewis Gilbert. Lewis Gilbert's a perfectly fine director, but I just, I love looking at this movie. I love all the, mm-hmm. the, the Egypt stuff is awesome. Uh, obviously really the is. underwater stuff. Uh, I love like also how they play around with stuff like in the layer, like they have that elevator where I love that scene where yeah. he's got the two guys that he's going to pay and then his secretary. And then he's talking about how someone, this is uh, by the way, if somebody's listening to that and watch, I'm talking about Stromberg, the villain. And, mm. uh, he's like, you know, somebody has been, uh, you know, ratting us out has been giving away our secrets. And so you've assumed it's going to be one of those two guys. But then he dismisses his secretary, and she gets on the elevator, and then she falls into mm-hmm. the shark tank. So you find out it was her. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just a really cool, like, that's what I think of when I think of a scene with, like, a Bond villain. And I don't really feel like we had really gotten mm-hmm. that scene until now. Uh, I mean, the Mr. Yeah. Bond, we expect you to die. Stuff like that's kind of close. But I don't know. I think this is just kind of the over-the-top, like, Austin Powers kind of. Uh, like jokey moment, I, and I just think it's—I I love it. It's just there's actually there's actual suspense built into that scene, uh, and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I just, I, yeah, I just I love it. I think Moore's great. Uh, uh, maybe the best Bond performance before uh, Daniel Craig in in one of his, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but even though I do think Connery's probably a better actor, but I don't know that I've liked Bond as much up until now as I did. Um, in uh, the spy who loved me. I mean, like you said, there's definitely some little things here or there I would like to be different, but as a whole, it still is way more effective than the majority, if not all, the ones we've seen up to this point. Yeah, that uh, that that Egypt scene uh, at the beginning is just mm-hmm. so stark. Uh, like, so it stands out so much. the The production of what they're doing there, and I guess that's a I don't know if that's a real thing. People go and they see some sort of yeah, historic, sure. uh, like history of the pyramids or whatever. Uh, I know that they apparently for the scene they had they mm-hmm. made the crowd digital mm-hmm. and all that. It was just it wasn't wasn't a whole crowd watching this. But there's this there's the way that it's lit and the, there's that music and everything like the way the it will turn dark and then light. It's a big part of the action scenes. Um, and when they're doing this like this. Uh, history of the the pyramids of Giza and everything like that there the the it, it, it all of the production seems to kind of flow along yes. with what's going on in the bond movie and um and then jaws himself there's some moments of like real yeah. like like oh, horror scene, movie type stuff yeah. in this um and uh and it's that scene and then later on when they meet the guy who's selling the uh the plans uh that guy goes into a phone booth and mm-hmm. we see jaws only through like you know there's like bars that kind of block his face but yeah. you still see those menacing metal <laughs> jaws and everything and he's like a he, he he he's like biting down on their necks like vampires yeah. and like a vampire and it's like really like horror movie type stuff then he kind of turns into kind of a a comic comical yeah. kind of bad guy after that but uh but 
yeah, it's just uh Yeah, there man, is. And they is do a, a pretty good cool job because it is hard to kind of believe at first that Roger Moore could even like defeat him, but they 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 find some interesting right. ways to kind of handle that. But yeah, that scene where he's uh after them and they even get in the car and you think they're fine and then he just fucking rips the top of the car off. You just tears the thing off. It's yeah. very, it's very well done. It's very minutes. So I did, I did like him more than I thought I remember. But I think my more issue with him, I think, is the is the next appearance by him is where I was just kind of like, eh. And I think mm-hmm. I was more saying too. I'd have to go back and listen, but I think I was more saying too the fact that we get we don't get returns of some of these more interesting characters, but yet we get him to come back, which I understand because he was super mm-hmm. popular. I mean, I, even I remember as a kid, I I knew that. Jaws was the shark, and I knew it was this guy in the Bond movies. Yeah, and of course he has a he has a battle yeah, with course. a shark of course he at does. the end of this. They they couldn't they couldn't <laughs> possibly not do that. By the yeah, and this was what this is like the third or fourth time <laughs> oh, the Bond least, movies had sharks least. in it for it's, it's something like that. You feel like Fleming was probably although he was I guess passed away at this point, but you wonder if Fleming when he was alive was like you guys keep doing sharks, but you're not doing giant squids. I don't appreciate that. Yeah, 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 exactly. But anyways, uh, I I thought some stuff I noted uh, the 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 uh the non sequiturs are getting or is that is that the word i'm trying to say the the innuendos the innuendos are getting a lot less subtle uh there's the he's on a mission in austria well tell him to pull out immediately and then they go to him with a yep. having sex and mm-hmm. or finishing sex um then there's the uh when one is in egypt one should delve deeply into its treasures uh, delve deeply into its treasures and 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 this is bond like basically just like getting yeah. a prostitute yeah. at this point yeah. or a concubine yeah, or such whatever a weird so scene. <laughs> uh, that's a weird yeah uh and there's there's also something about like uh like uh when he's trying to buy the plans off the dude and sh- and she and barbara bach walks in he's like well i'll have to look at this figure first or something or this is a better yeah. figure to look at there's or something also like that another scene with her and him that i love is that scene on the boat uh, when they're escaping, I guess that's when they're leaving Egypt, right? And uh, uh, mm-hmm. she, you think she's actually trying to seduce him, and she's actually playing his own weaknesses against him, and ends up blowing that. She gets him to give him the cigarette, yeah. give her the cigarette, and then she knocks mm-hmm. him out, and she takes, yeah, whatever that is, what you were talking about, the thing they're looking at, it, it like in today's movie, that would be like a drive, like that would be like a like a like a zip drive or mm-hmm. something, but uh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, whatever that is. So she takes that from him and then just abandons him on that boat, which I thought that was pretty, that was pretty fun. But it's it's not too long after that they're exactly. together in that one that one spot. So and it, yeah, and it almost just seems like she just wants to best him. It's, it has nothing to do with yeah. anything other than that. Yeah, you know, they eventually meet up. I thought it was interesting too. The von, the vodka martini comes back. I know we were talking. I was talking about that a couple movies ago. Where I was like, I wonder if that just isn't a thing with more, but it does. Mm-hmm. It pops up in this one. I also wrote the line. I remember this line, but I don't remember what happened. But there was just this one line that struck me as funny. It was when he just says Egyptian builders. But I don't. I think it's. I think the stuff falls on. I guess it's when the stuff falls on. Yeah, Jaws. that's when Jaws like takes something to beat that's him with, yeah, and it's and it's holding something <laughs> up. Yeah, and uh, and it ends up fall, all the stuff ends up. I was like, was on. that a thing in the seventies where people made fun of Egyptians for the way they built things? Like I didn't know what. It was just, it was just no a weird idea. line. Yeah, um, well, and he and there, he, there's a lot of little forced things in here where he's just he's just being a troll the whole time while she's driving the yes. van, and he's like, "Women drivers, oh, yeah, that's you true. know, stuff like yeah, that. that's true, <laughs> you know, stuff like that." Oh my god, um, there's uh, there's so much porn on the submarine. I, I just remember like they go in that like mm-hmm. room, and there's just pictures just fucking everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
And then there's like a guy in the dining area, like looking at a hustler or something or a playboy. I right. mean, it's just, it's insane. That also, that's another scene with, that I hate with Bach where, I mean, the guy's being nice and it's like, you should take a shower in here because she's the only woman on a, on a submarine with a bunch of guys. So she doesn't need to go to the communal shower. But then of course, when she's in the shower, there's like a slit right there like where you can yeah so that you can just peek in and the closest yeah. i think a bond movie has even come to nudity because uh, you get kind of like the side view uh yeah i mean it's it's <sighs> there's been some real like i don't think they thought that it was nudity yeah. before this uh when connery is in uh, i think it's um I think it's Diamonds Are Forever at the beginning where he pulls that woman's top yes. off. There's a very oh, brief, yeah. very yeah. brief moment there. Well, I'm but, sure there's a pause you uh, could but make yeah. in that scene. But this one, this is probably the closest to them like actually like yeah. ogling someone. And it's it's really quick, it but it's still like long and it's enough. Just, it's it's a know. scene that doesn't need to be there. That guy's like coming in and giving the commander like a paper it, it, there's nothing in that scene yeah. that needs that we need to see and i don't i doubt it's i could be barbara bach i don't know that it is because they do they definitely don't show her face so a lot mm -hmm. of the times i yeah. just assume that means it's not the actress but you never know and she's done she's right. done nudity in other films so that i've seen like she's mm. she's in uh some giallos and some italian films from around that time so uh, it could mm -hmm. be her. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. It was just a weird scene. But it's a, it's a, it is a, an unnecessary scene. They could have easily cut that, no problem. Yeah, and then we already talked about the Egyptian thing, but I did make, I did mark down just that whole thing with them tracking down Jaws. I just, I love everything about that scene. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I, and I think that's like, and this just feels from beginning to end, even with the silliness of the the villains plot, which is basically the same thing in all of them, and I mean. Even like, and I mean, that's the same in like movies today, even like a lot of your comic book movies and stuff. I mean, you just have these villains with these insane ideas of what they're going to, you know, how they're going to get the world to bow to them. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just kind of one of those things I've just let go. And I'm just, I just enjoy the ride because I don't, if that's going to bother you, you're not going to like any of these movies. So <laughs> I don't know what else yeah. to say about it. And I do find this one a little more interesting just because we have that amazing set design and we, and we have that really fun, like underwater layer to kind of uh, play around in and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that, um, what, what was the bad, who plays the bad guy? Uh, Jurgen. Yeah. Kurt yeah, Jurgen. He's, uh, he's menacing in a way. Like he's definitely like he, he, he does a good job. Like, I mean, yeah, if they called him Blofeld, you would have been like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's very he's kind of like a mix of Goldfinger and, and Blofeld, but he is he does have a lot of yeah. and they originally had Blofeld in the script, so it almost seems like and maybe all they did was change the name. Lewis Gilbert had uh worked with Card Jerkins again before. I don't know remember which movie oh, that right. is. I don't um either. um but um but there was I, I wondered if he got if he also got considered because he was in the enemy below, which was another yeah, a submarine maybe. movie that kind of like, you know, so I don't know. Oh, it was Alfie. I believe that sounds that, right. Uh, was that, uh, yeah, I think that was the movie. The enemy um, below was so, that um, Mitchum. Was that Robert Mitchum? Is that the, I get that. I, I think it is because uh, I get that. And there's another one with, uh, there's yeah, one with Mitchum. like Lancaster or something, or maybe it's Gable. I, yeah, it's uh, yeah. That's the 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 run, uh, debate they're silent. having in Crimson Tide, where Jane, yeah, run silent, run deep. 
that's the thing that I think James Gandolfini is uh, having a conversation <laughs> oh, about in right. Crimson Tide, where he's like, where he's like, like which who was the who was the actor in The Enemy Below? Was it Kurt Jurgens or was it uh, uh, was it? Uh, I can't remember what the the debate was, but he but the guy can't answer, so he makes some do push ups after. But, uh, but anyways, uh, uh, I think Run Simon Run Deep is the better movie, but they're both they're both pretty good from what I remember. I like I like submarine like thrillers and stuff I, that's just a cool setting uh like god's mm. boat and obviously crimson tide and hunt for red october and all that stuff um but yeah no it's just it's just it's just it's a really good movie i don't know what i'll say about it it's just really good uh that elevator mm-hmm. trap though i did mention it i remember that scared the crap out of me as a kid so i know i saw this at a, at yeah. a fairly young age like i might have been nine or ten but i just remembered the idea of getting in an elevator and then the floor could just, you know, I do that scene though where Bond somehow evades that. I don't completely get because I don't know how he would even know about it. But maybe he had a report or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, don't have any idea. But yeah, maybe maybe he's been in enough situations at this point to realize that a villain would have a yeah. trap door uh and, you know and and he just or or it could be like you know i don't know yeah you're right i like the I, scene though so well the knows, scene is but, so well done like it doesn't matter you're just like that's cool mm-hmm. uh and it's like actually a pretty thrilling like because you think you know i mean you, obviously we don't think he's gonna die but uh we know he's gonna get uh you know st- uh the the bad guy eventually but i don't know it's just i love how that scene plays out so i kind of forgive it uh but yeah, no, this one. If for some reason you're listening to this and you haven't watched it, this is definitely one uh, you should you should not miss. Uh, are you ready to get on to our rankings? Is there anything else? Mm, nope. All right, so we are going to get into our rankings. Uh, for the rankings, we are now going to rank this film in five different categories. Our scale will be based on something that Bond holds near and dear to his heart, as long as they are shaken and not stirred. That would be martinis. So for each category, we rank from one to five martinis, five being the best damn liquid that has ever passed your lips, one being the well liquor you had to settle for or were too drunk to care that night. We've obviously, this first ranking is just simply our overall feeling toward the movie, the story. Uh, we've kind of gone over, but are, what, where are you going with that? Uh, yeah, I think this is a four um, overall. Um, uh, just a few things about it that make it not a five, yeah. but uh but i i you know overall this is super good this is like just highly recommend kind of james bond movie and uh i yeah the only i think the only thing that i take one off for is that there are so many things that yeah. have been done before in bond movies in this the barber bach the barber bach uh performance knocks it down a little bit but everything else about it is just pure yeah bond i agree bliss, i'm doing a four as well and i think i should say barbara bach definitely like looks the part like she she is very uh I, I, she is obviously a very beautiful woman but that's not what i'm talking about like she she like mm-hmm. she fills the role very well like it's just something about her line delivery that just uh i don't know like i buy the fact that she's a badass i buy everything about that character so she does she is able to convey those kind of things but it's there is something and it could be the writing could have factored into that as well uh, but I mean, I've seen her in a few other things, like I said, and and she never really stands out. And she didn't really—I don't think she acted even that long. I mean, I don't—I could be wrong about that. But uh, 
Yeah, she well, yeah she had not been. I think as she started in 1971, but she didn't last long after that. Uh, well, it was yeah. about 1986 when I believe she retired. I mean. So <laughs> yeah, you've got yeah you don't need to do much after but, that. Uh, so yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I'm also for uh, the Bond, uh, which is obviously Roger Moore. I think this is his easily his best performance. I can't imagine he has a better one after this. But I mean, it has been a minute since I've seen a couple of these. But I'm going to give it a five because I just think he's very good in this. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a five too. I don't. This is this is his most assured, most you know. This is you know Roger Moore taking For full sure. ownership. Um, so next is the villain, which of course is Jaws. Is this is the um, is the I guess the side villain, and then you've got uh, Carl Stromberg as your as your as your Blofeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so what do yep, you think yep. there? Um, I, 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 again, I'm going to give this a five as oh, cool. well. I know this is probably higher than what you were going to give it, but, uh, I do like Jaws. I do think that's a, 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 a unique addition to the Bond villain catalog. Um, and I like Richard Keel quite a bit in this, uh, and you're right. I think the future, uh, additions of him is what probably waters it down a little bit, but in this particular movie, he's terrifying. Yep. He can be funny, uh, a lot of different things. And Stromberg, I mean, he is just a Blofeld clone when it comes down to it, but I think he's, he, he does really, well. he does. I mean, Every all the Blofelds before was it was was it Donald Pleasance the first time we saw a face or was it somebody I else? I think so that? because Savalas is after Pleasance, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's nothing but arms and yeah. a cat for most of the time uh, until it sh- we see Pleasance, and Pleasance obviously is great as a Blofeld, and and Savalas is okay as Blofeld. Uh, uh, but uh, this is the first time since like Goldfinger that we've had a villain that actually gets to be, you know, uh, to get like takes a big it's his first time in a while that it feels like, well, it like I, I'm saying in this as a as a Blofeld type of villain, mm-hmm. like everybody there's obviously the other villains in these Roger Moore movies have like Christopher Lee and Yafit Kato. They've been very present. It's just that the first, this is the first time we've had like a megalomaniacal guy. I don't know. Yafikano was kind of megalomaniacal. I, agree. I think Jurgens is. Maybe I'm talking too much out of my ass here. <laughs> I know like, what you mean. Like, uh, but no, I, I, I'm going to overall just say he's, he's great. It I'm helps say that the five. movie's better, but also the movie's probably better because he's more interesting, you know? So I, I like, I like Jurgens' performance better than I do Kodo's or Lee's. They might be better actors, but like, I, I, I like. I like this villain. Um, and I do like Jaws in this movie mm-hmm. uh, more than I remembered. So I'm giving it a four. So I'm not that far off. Uh, mm-hmm. The gadgets. We actually have yeah. gadgets in this. Quite a few. There's the there's the ski pole rifle, which I quite enjoy. Uh, there's the tea set that decapitates people, which I wish we got to actually see that in action. That was fun. Uh, this is when he's in the queue area. Like they're showing all the stuff. Uh, and then, of yeah, course, yeah. the car, which is really cool turns into a freaking sub submersible you know submersible vehicle um but still mm-hmm. i mean i it's i probably only going to go three on this just because it it is still a little silly but it but it's at least there's more two gadgets in this one than we've had so far i think yeah yeah for sure um but yeah i would i would give gadgets somewhere around that yeah. around that area three or so i think this is where they're trying to get them back in and this sounds like a thing that 
we've been hearing they yeah. were trying to get away from, but maybe it was maybe. just Saltzman who was trying to get away from them. I mean, it's them. like they just all you of a sudden know? there's just like a ton of them, you know. And and I think this is one of the first like like mm-hmm. where they really they these cue scenes will become a lot more common where you just see all this random stuff going on um, as as they're walking through and he's going over stuff for them. So. Uh, and then last, we've got the song, which is Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon. Um, what do you think of this song? I love this song. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. It's, it, I mean, like I said, it's very basic. It's, it's, you know, it's basically this woman saying, man, nobody has ever had, like, <laughs> m- made sex on me like you have. That's a line. It's uh, a line in the song. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly uh so uh it's ba- very basic but i i like it it's kind of kind of reminds me how mm-hmm. live and let die uh, is arranged and everything there's a lot of like just like great instrumentation in this um and um and so yeah i i i would I, give yeah, this I a love four, this song probably. uh uh is it radiohead did they do a cover of this was it was it really Somebody did a cover of this. I don't know. I feel like it was Radiohead. I could be wrong. It was famously done in uh, Lost in Translation when Anna Faris was oh, singing true. karaoke. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, uh, uh, and she's like super drunk and everything and trying to sing the song. But uh, that's, the only, that's the only other time that I think I remember hearing another version so, of that song. Uh, yeah, yeah. They covered it. Uh, I don't know if it was. Maybe they covered it on the soundtrack then. I don't know. But they definitely uh, did cover it because I could I have I have YouTube videos popping up. Um, but anyways, uh, I love this song. I think this is the best song since Goldfinger. Uh, I I would I would actually put this a little bit ahead of Live and Let Die. So yeah, but I'm gonna give it a four. I'm giving it a four as well. Okay, so we're gonna go on to our final segment now, and that is called the Spy Who Reads Me. Reading is one of my very favorite things to do. I'm not reading that crap. Summarize it in one word. Now you want to talk about reading? Let's talk about reading. How can you read this? There's no pictures. CinemaSense might have taught you that the book doesn't matter, but for this segment, we're willing to concede it at least kind of does. We're going to give you the nitty-gritty on what is similar to what you saw on the screen and what is different. And there will be plenty of what the hell was Ian Fleming smoking when he wrote this. Okay, so this book is terrible. (laughs) Um... The best thing about it, okay, so it's the ninth novel in the series. Uh, it is also the shortest of the novels, so that alone is, I guess, a bonus. But uh, I don't know what the hell this is supposed to be. Uh, Bond isn't in the novel until about two thirds of the way into it. Up until that point, the story, the the entire story, is told in the first person by a Canadian woman named Vivian Michelle. The uh, the first section of the novel is she is talking about her past love affairs, including how her virginity was taken and how she had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And and then the section, mm. en- then it like ends about halfway through where she takes a job at a motel. I'd never say this right. The that's the Adrianak. How, how do you, you know what I'm talking about? The the mountains, the Adirondack. Oh, the you. Adirondack. Uh, there's a motel up there. She mm-hmm. takes a job in. Uh, the motel is about to close for the winter, mm-hmm. and the owner asks her to stay uh, a couple nights, to run it by herself for a couple nights, and then he'll be back. While she's there, these mobsters show up. Uh, they've been hired by the motel's owner to set fire to the place so they can collect insurance money, and Vivian will be uh, left as, it'll. she'll be like the, the pawn or whatever. Like they'll bl- it'll all, all the blame will go on her. That's why he wanted her to be there. Conveniently... Uh, this man named James Bond uh, shows up 
he was driving past on another mission, mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. a tire go flat, and so he needs a room for the night. Uh, he figures out pretty quickly, like, the mobsters are already there, and she's in trouble, but they're trying to play it off, but he figures out pretty quickly that something's going on. Uh, so he decides to help Vivian, and um, they end up uh, taking out both of the mobsters, or Bond does, takes up both of the mobsters. And then... Uh, Vivian, of course, sleeps with him because, you know, she, you know, that's, that's what happens when Mm -hmm. you meet Bond. Mm -hmm. And, um, while this is happening, like a lot of the last few movies, which actually oddly enough didn't happen in this one, really, um, there's, a a mobster shows, one of the mobsters that they thought was dead shows back up while they're, you know, in the process. And then Bond, uh, kills him. Bond ends up shooting him. Uh, Vivian wakes up the next morning. Bond is gone. He has left a note. Uh, just basically saying, like, you know, my life is not one for people to be involved with me in and blah, blah, blah. And then she's, she's basically left thinking fondly about the spy who loved her uh, for one night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is terrible. I don't understand this book. I don't know what the point of this was. I don't... I, I, I just... I have no idea. And I couldn't really catch it. Like, Fleming, Fleming actually got really irritated that people didn't like it. And I guess he was just trying to do something a little different, and I can appreciate that, but, like, this is just a bad... And not only that, but it's, like, really sleazy. Like, everything about it is just, like, super sleazy. Like, the way the Vivian character is treated... And like I said, when she's just talking about her past, like, there's all these horrible, like, sexual encounters that are really just disturbing. And it just... I don't, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on here. I just... I have no idea. Uh, it's, it's sleazy. It's just, it's unpleasant. Uh, some of the worst reviews any of the novels ever got, which isn't surprising. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Just, just one of those later novels towards the end of Fleming's life. I don't know if that has anything to do with that. He was sick. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what was going on. Uh, but it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is the first book we really came across where they took the title and basically nothing else. Uh, other than they kind of got the idea for Jaws based on one of the mobsters in this book, I guess. But other than that, they didn't really, they didn't take anything. So I don't really have much else on it <laughs> other than that. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. there's not much to it. Is that really just the the whole story? Yeah, that's Is it. her talking about yeah. this? And Bond just like, it's so weird. Like you wouldn't, you would have no idea you're reading a James Bond novel. I mean, you would just mm-hmm. have no idea. And then all of a sudden, this guy shows up and introduces himself as James Bond. And mm-hmm. it's not even like it's a mission he's on or anything. He just decides to help her because he realizes she's in trouble. So he's like, well, I mm-hmm. can kill these people. I know how to kill people. And and maybe you'll have sex with me afterwards, which she does. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, right. uh, yeah. So do not recommend that book. And I don't think you have any need to read that book because it will do nothing for you and uh, mm-hmm. helping you watch the movie. But if you haven't seen this movie... We haven't ruined it for you. I hope, uh, please, please watch this movie. Uh, and if you have seen it, watch it again. It's amazing. Uh, it's also one of the ones that I find very rewatchable. A lot of some of these I don't find as rewatchable, but this is one I know I've seen. This is one of the good ones I know I've seen several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's weirdly some bad ones I've seen several times, but that, I think that just had a lot to do with being a kid and it was on cable all the time. Because, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I think of you to a kill might be the one I've seen the most. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. Goldfinger, yeah. but sadly, I think it's probably View to a Kill because I know there was like a summer where that was on HBO like every day. Yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah, so thank you all for joining us this week. Also, before we go, we have social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter. Uh, we are at GoldSpy007. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on Twitter. I am at Sam Loomis 13 
You can email us at golddiamonddeath007 at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like this podcast and other things under the CinemaSins brand, we also have a Patreon you can join at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. And if you have a second to leave us a five-star review at your podcast listening app of choice, we would appreciate it. We hope you'll join us again next week. We will be talking about Moonraker, the 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 Star Wars of Bond films. But until then, until then, keep the martinis dry and shaken, the Baccarat shoe moving, and the Aston Martin fully gassed. This is Chris Atkinson and Jonathan Watkins signing off, and we will see you next mission. Oh, 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 oh,